If you had the goal of living to be over 100 years old, what would you do differently? How would you think about your own health, your own body, and the way in which you interact in the world? And I'm not talking about some fleeting goal that may be temporary, but a long-lasting goal of something you really want to accomplish in life. And likewise, suppose that the average person lived to be 100 years old. How would you view your life differently than you do already? Hey, this is Caleb, and you are listening to the Healthcare Analytics Podcast with my teammate Tatsuyo Murao. If you have any questions about this podcast or any others, you can feel free to reach out to us at podcast at arcosanalytics.com. So if you were to live to be 100 years old, how would you take care of yourself? How would you interact with the people around you and how would you dedicate time to the things you enjoy the most? Well, one of the things that got me thinking about this one question was an article that I read a few weeks ago about the U.S. life expectancy going down. For the third straight year, life expectancy in the United States has decreased. And so today, as of 2022, the life expectancy at birth is 76.1 years. To give you a little bit of reference, the year before that, life expectancy was 76.98, and then in 2019 was the highest U.S. life expectancy at 78.8. The only time in U.S. history where it was back at the 76-year mark was in 1997. So 25 years ago, there was just as high of a life expectancy as there is today in the United States. Now, after reading more articles about this topic, many of the articles and research pretty much pointed to COVID and diseases being one of the culprits of lowering the life expectancy to what it was 25 years ago. But one of the questions I have is, why is it that a pandemic like the one that we have had, even as serious as it was, how did it upend the entire healthcare industry and knocked us back 25 years? I mean, it's quite drastic if you think about it. I know that in life expectancy terms, it's only three years, but it took us 25 years to go from a life expectancy of 76 to a life expectancy of 78, almost 79. And so three, almost four years of life expectancy was lost in one single year because of a pandemic. And so what is it about our healthcare system that is so fragile to these kinds of things? And to give you a reference point of how the United States stacks up to other countries, we now rank 50th in the life expectancy against other countries. So I'm going to list a few other countries that now have a higher life expectancy than the United States. And we'll start with a few that I've listed off here. You have Albania, that is 79, Austria, that's 81, Belgium at 81, Bosnia and Herzegovina at 78, Chile at 80, Costa Rica at 80, Croatia at 78, Ireland at 82, Israel at 83, Japan, of course, at 85, Lebanon at 70. Portugal at 81, Puerto Rico at 80, and Slovenia at 81. So even if you're an American citizen, you can still live in 
Puerto Rico and have a higher life expectancy than the United States. But we all know that the income of, let's say, Portugal or Puerto Rico is way lower than in the United States. And in some of the countries, we pay more in healthcare on an annual basis than some people earn in total. And to give you an example, in let's say Albania or Bosnia and Herzegovina, a good income is probably around $20,000. And likewise for countries like Chile or Costa Rica, where I know that the maximum tax income bracket is not that high to where if you're making $20,000 a year in those countries, you're doing, or at least you're at the middle income level, depending on how you live. And so what is it about America where we're spending so much on healthcare, but yielding so little results in compared to what we spend? That's what I'm going to talk about in this episode as far as how we can think about healthcare in the United States differently so we can become more healthy as individuals and help our communities and people within our own cities be more healthy as a whole. Because I would say the goal is not only to increase our own personal health, but to encourage others to be more healthy as well and to live a lifestyle that helps them be more healthy mentally and physically. There are at least two sides to the coin when it comes to healthcare in the United States. The first is why are Americans paying so much for healthcare? And the second side of the coin is why is it that as Americans, we don't compare to others when it comes to life expectancy, health, etc.? So in consideration of these two things, they're both enmeshed together and they both can sometimes not be separated depending on what we are analyzing or what we're looking at. But I'm going to do my best to give you how both sides are affecting our total health in the United States. The first thing to consider is why are we paying so much as Americans for healthcare that it's not lower than it is already? One of the reasons why I would say so is because of the huge administrative costs that has to bear on what we pay. According to some estimates, we pay $1,500 to $2,500 a year as Americans on just healthcare administrative costs. That doesn't count anything else that's just straight healthcare admin costs. And that's for a lot of reasons. It's for the reasons that I have mentioned in previous episodes about the different systems that the United States has, as well as the governmental regulatory bodies that subject healthcare systems, hospitals, and clinics to high reporting and to other regulations based on the amount of care and the type of care they provide. So my big question for those of us in the United States and in the modern world is how much more value can we get from the healthcare industry as a whole as it's set up now? And pertaining to this question is if I wanted to live 15 or 20 years more than the life expectancy, how much more should I invest in the healthcare industry and how much trust should I put in it in order to yield me 15 or 20 more years? Like, do I have to spend twice as much in order to get that? Do I have to spend four, 10 times, 20 times more? 
That's a hard question to answer, but one of the things I know just through business and investing and through analytics is that there comes a point at which if you invest in additional resources into any system, there is going to be diminishing returns. And the reason why is because the system at some point maxes out at a certain rate. And so I wonder within the United States, if we are now seeing the point from 2019 or from, let's say, the last 10 years where the U.S. healthcare system has technically leveled out to where if we spend as a nation two, three, four, maybe five times more, that we're not going to yield that much more in terms of health within the healthcare industry as it stands today. And this can be a scary notion, right? Because what we're thinking about is we're thinking about saying that the healthcare industry as a whole has a limit on how much we can put into it in order to yield a specific result in the future. And so if I know right now that even if I were to invest three, four, five times more within the healthcare system within the United States and not yield much more results, then I'm going to look somewhere else in order to be more healthy in the future. And instead of trusting wholeheartedly the healthcare system, I will use it and I will augment the healthcare system in order to achieve specific results, but then lean on other resources in order to improve my health personally. Understanding that U.S. healthcare is the way that it is and it's very difficult for an individual to change it, what other things can I learn from other countries about how they view healthcare and how they maintain their health over time. And with my experience in traveling and living in other countries, I can tell you that there are a few things that those in other countries do a lot better than those within the United States that can help us get a better grasp on how to live healthy, vibrant lives where we are now and into the future. Because the goal, as I said earlier in this episode, is to use the healthcare industry to the best that we can, but also augment it with other things within our community and within our daily life in order to be more healthy over time. One of the sad things is that we often neglect our own mind when it comes to health. And mental health is one of those things that is easy to say, but very difficult to practice. And the reason why is because it's something that's very ethereal. You can't really put a grasp on your mental health. You can't see physically how your mind is doing, but it comes in through feelings. And how you feel about your own mental health can often be distorted. And it can also be covered up very, very easily. And it's not as easy as identifying your physical health and evaluating where that is because every day you look at a physical body that you can feel and touch, but your mind is different and mental health is a totally different animal that we in our modern world haven't really been trained to utilize as best as possible. Even though now there are many different resources when it comes to improving your mental health. It's very difficult as an individual to traverse all of these different things in order to improve your mental well-being. 
There are things like simply going outside and uh, meditating. There are other things like just taking a walk. There are others when it comes to having a community. All of these things contribute to your own mental health, but they're not specifically isolated. That how you feel on a specific day can have a lasting effect three or four days down the road. And so if I'm angry about something today, that kind of anger can linger for a week or so, depending on what it is. And it takes time to have your emotions be in line with your own mind in order to reconcile the difficulties in life. This is where mental health and mental resilience can go a long way. And in my mind, those that I respect the most who are in their elder years are resilient mentally, even though their body is failing, that they have a positive outlook on life and they look upon life as a friend instead of something that is punishing them over time. So even though there are difficulties, there are ways in which we can overcome these difficulties by adjusting our perspective and seeing things in a different way in order to overcome these obstacles. So mental health is a game changer, but it is up to the individual to improve their own mental health and take time to meditate, to have introspection, and to understand what they actually want to do in life and how they want to grow and develop. Something else related to mental health is the community or the group of people you are around. If you are around those who are focused on improving their own lives and being healthy themselves, then it's a lot easier to be healthy. And this is where being part of a gym or a group of some sort, it could be a gym, it could be a running club, it could be a yoga studio, it could be a lifting club, whatever that club or organization is, that can help you improve your health because not only are you there are you there to improve your physical health, but you're also there as part of a community. And this is one of the things that I learned early on in my 20s is that if I'm around a group of people who is focused on, let's say, being in shape at a very high level, then they will have access and or references to specific healthcare resources that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And for me, when I was in college, I did cross country and track through my entire college career. And so if I had any questions when it came to my health or when it came to any ailments that I had physically, then I would have a series of people that could recommend a professional who could help me as an athlete. And so if you start to think of yourself as somebody who is on a quest to be more physically healthy, then you can utilize the resources and knowledge of other people in order to advance your own physical goals. So on my cross-country team, there are many people who had a series of different health related issues that they had to figure out personally. And it could be everything from heart chest or heartburns to shin splints to broken bones and fractures. And it runs the gambit between eating disorders, eating healthy, all of the things. And so there are a few different habits that I learned because of other people's difficulties and struggles when it came to their own health. 
And likewise, if I had any injury or health problem, then I would be able to see a specialist who could look at athletes who were runners in order to evaluate if it was related to running or was a personal thing, etc. And this isn't only for running. When I was older, I joined a jujitsu gym where they had references and or people that they would refer to specific things when it came to joint issues or when it came to muscle tissue problems, etc. And so if you are part of a community that is health focused, they usually have a group of resources or people they know that isn't necessarily recommended by healthcare professionals, but is oftentimes multiple ways better because it is specific to a group of people who is focused on a specific set of physical tasks or physical abilities. And even if you're a beginner at yoga or lifting or running or whatever the case is, you can still join those groups because there are many times when you can learn from those who are more experienced than you. And when you run into a problem, then it's easy to utilize their experience and lean on their experience about who to go to, how to become better and how to become more physically healthy. I can't say more about community when it comes to having a gym or yoga studio or a community focused on health, but I will also say that there's a mental health aspect to this too, that if you are part of a group that is not only focused on their physical health, but also focused on health in general, then it yields itself to better habits as a whole. And many of habits that I've just gathered over the years are very simple ones. So as an example, I learned early on that my heart rate matters. And so if my heart rate is, let's say, over 60 beats per minute, then I know that I'm not in shape. I also know that if I walk for, let's say, over a half mile and I have a little bit of breath, then I know that I'm out of shape. And so there are ways that I can tell, hey, you need to get back in shape. You need to become better physically than you are now. Other things are just doing regular exercises every day can help out a lot. And so just walking a quarter to half a mile a day or even like a thousand to two thousand steps can help you a lot. Even simple things like knowing what to eat, eating salads or eating more fresh foods is a lot better than processed foods. All of these things are fundamental, but they add up over time. And having a community that encourages these things can help you get back to the fundamentals where you can start to build a good foundation, even if you didn't have one before when it came to your physical health. An entirely different aspect of being healthy is what environment are you in? Are you in an environment that encourages health in general? And this can be related to your physical community that you're around, but it can also be related to the city you live in, what your daily habits are. And so for many countries that have a 
higher life expectancy. One of the reasons why is just by nature of them walking more. And so countries like Bosnia and Herzegovina or Albania or Austria or Portugal or Costa Rica or Israel, I know from experience of being in many of these countries that they have to walk in order to get to where they want to go. What this means is that it's not as convenient as it is for us in America where we can get in a car and be somewhere in 15-20 minutes. But what it means is that the individual has to walk 10-15 minutes in order to go to the bodega or go to the little grocery store in order to get eggs and milk for the week. And so what we think as Americans about convenience can also be a sacrifice to our health to where instead of driving 15-20 minutes, we can walk about 5-10 to 10 minutes every day in order to get our groceries. But in some cities, this is extremely difficult. So for example, in many Midwestern cities on the West Coast, that people just live and die by their car. That's the only way they get around. And so in order to improve their health, they have to rely more and more on physical locations where they can either run, jog, lift, or any health-related community. But in other countries, such as those in Central America, in Europe, and in Asia, they walk much more than we do here in the United States. What this means is that just by nature of them walking, they're more healthy than we are in the United States, where even though it's more inconvenient, they yield higher results when it comes to life expectancy. And the way I like to think about it is that their daily life is ingrained with their own health, that they don't necessarily have to work hard to be more healthy, but just by nature of their daily habits, they need to walk, let's say, a mile every day in order to be more healthy. But the amount of Americans that, let's say, just walk a mile just to walk a mile is very, very few. And those who, let's say, walk a mile will do so as part of a training regimen instead of just part of their daily life. And to give you an extreme example, those in Japan where the life expectancy is 85, they can't think of many instances where they drive a car. Most of their daily life is by walking, and walking has helped alongside many other health-related things such as diet. Walking is one of the ways that can decrease blood pressure, help you get outside more, get access to the sun and vitamin D, can help strengthen your legs and strengthen your muscles. Walking just solely has such a high health benefit that us as Americans often overlook. Also related to our environment is just what we have access to in terms of food. Many other countries only have access to fresh foods, vegetables, and seldom meat. Sometimes they have access to meat, but it's only very rarely. Whereas in the United States, I'll go to a Walmart or a Target and I will see somebody's grocery cart and it will be, let's say, 50% processed foods, meaning that it's either processed through a manufacturing process or it's a frozen food that they then just heat up in the oven or a microwave. Whereas in other countries, that's only 10% of their grocery basket. What this means is that although it's very convenient for us to just heat up foods, take it out of the freezer, or just use processed foods in order to save us time, 
On the back end, we're paying for it in terms of our own health. This is why I recommend going to grocery stores that are limited or just knowing what you're going to get at a grocery store in order so that your daily habits in terms of eating is limited to items where you can mix and match them. And so if you have basic ingredients, you can do a lot with basic ingredients more so than just a processed food. So for example, a frozen pizza is very nice to have every once in a while, but instead of just buying that frozen pizza, you could buy the ingredients that go into it, like flour, vegetables, some basil. You could get a little bit of meat to put on top of it, but all those ingredients as individuals can be mixed and matched with other things that can be more healthy overall. And even if it takes time to cook those ingredients and cook, let's say, a pizza instead of having a frozen pizza, it's much more healthy for you in the end. I will also say that there's research about those who cook their food being more receptive to the food they eat than those who have food delivered to them or it's not prepared for them. And so there is a health benefit to just preparing your own food as an individual, um, probably just because for the longest time, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, we have had to produce our own food and cook our own food. And so when it's delivered to us through Instacart or from Uber Eats, that's not as natural to us as it is to just make our own food. If we take a step back and evaluate why many countries are ahead of the United States when it comes to life expectancy, then we need only look at the mental health of the average population, the communities they're part of, and the vibrancy of those communities, and what their lifestyle looks like. How much is the average person walking? Do they eat fresh fruits and vegetables? Do they cook their own foods, etc.? All of these things are very basic and fundamental things, but they're often overlooked in a modern world where we rely overly on the healthcare industry to fix our problems. So although we have a very sophisticated healthcare system in the United States, it does not match up in terms of life expectancy to the countries that are just doing things well fundamentally. And to give you an example, in Israel, many people walk around every day. You can buy fresh food just a 5-10 minute walk away. And so if you needed something on that day, you didn't have to drive 15-20 minutes to a Target or Walmart. You can go downstairs and go out the street and then find the hummus or shawarma or whatever else you wanted that was cooked that day and is fresh. That's an entirely different lifestyle than what we live in the United States, but we can still be healthy in the United States if we use the things that we have to our advantage, if we use the communities and are part of communities that encourage us to be healthy, if we take time and energy to cook our own food, if we invest in our own mental health in order to be resilient and vibrant. All of these basic fundamental things cannot be ignored and are the very way in which we can improve our own health now and as we get older. Now let's revisit that original question. If you had a goal of living to be a hundred years or more, what would you do differently knowing where healthcare is today? 
I can't answer this question for you, but what I would say in my mind is that understanding that healthcare has maxed out within the United States at a life expectancy of 80 years old, I would try to focus on the fundamentals that I could control and use healthcare and the medical advantages when it comes to healthcare only when I needed it. And if you have any additional thoughts or comments about this specific question, you can reach out to us at podcast at arcosanalytics.com. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you later.